Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where, did you, where did you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. <laughs> A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts and, of dirty stuff, yeah. but also parenting stuff. Yeah. So check out Childish new episodes every Wednesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Yes, there is something going on with my voice. Maybe it'll have a miraculous recovery during this show. Tony Thaxton, producer Tony Thaxton, I'm you're here. Back. I'm I'm back, and it has nothing to do with your plea for me to be fired from the band. So, uh, Tony has missed a number of shows because he tours in a very professional, famous rock band called Motion City Soundtrack. And I feel like I am a great sport about it until the most recent episode when, and I didn't intend to open it, the show this way. It just so happened that I found myself asking his band to fire him <laughs> jokingly. And I admitted it was selfish. You did. Which you it, did. Is, it is. It is. I, would, I personally would benefit if they fired you, except that you'd be sad. And then that would make me yeah, sad. Yeah, but I mean... Then, you know, we're 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 not full time like we used to be. So this is this is uh, the old days. This never would have gone because I would have been gone for three hundred days of the year. I wouldn't have but, even met you yeah, to have you not. do this podcast. Here is my fear. I didn't expect to be so emotionally naked <laughs> right out of the gate. Here's my fear: your shows are going really well. Mm-hmm. They're you're selling out big places. The audience. For some reason, chance Tony. For reasons I still don't understand. Yeah. Yes. And then you refuse to do a drum solo because you don't do drum solos. <laughs> so they chant Tony and you stand up and bow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So give him a little, give him a little salute. You know? Oh, a salute. Yeah, sometimes. But you just got a gold record. Mm-hmm. The way I see this going is this is going to become more frequent. Do you not see that happening because it's going really well? Uh, that doesn't bode well for this gal pointing to me. I, I think you're going to be fine because okay. we're we're all old now, and it's you know it was a lot easier to to stay on the road when you're in your mid twenties and stuff. And now we're all in our forties. Some of the guys have kids. We're okay. not gonna, this oh, isn't going to take over our lives. I anymore. didn't know anyone had kids. Yeah, that does work out Three well of for the me. Five have kids. Were you upset when you heard me ask them to fire you? I was livid. <laughs> no, really. No, I, don't, I know you're messing around. Okay. I don't All care. right, good. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad. Much worse. I'm glad. To, and also, I you had some kind of uh, celebrity level exhaustion. I really did. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I was so exhausted after these last shows because I was also doing a ton of work in addition to those shows. And uh, I was just, I made myself sick. Like, I literally just wasn't sleeping and, and got sick because I just did too much and was up too much. But you're back 90% now. Yeah, I'm like 90-something percent now. Okay. We're almost there. 
I yeah. think we should introduce our guest and we should apologize. Mm, for let's the, keep going. <laughs> the, the 10% that's missing. Um, I'm very excited to have Fortune Feemster on the show. This is someone that I've wanted on the show for a long time, but I didn't know how to reach out to her. And then I cracked the code by you contacting a mutual friend. Fortune Feemster is a comic writer and actor who's appeared in a number of things, including Last Comic Standing, The Mindy Project, Chelsea Lately, Life in Pieces. Those are but a few of her many credits. She hosts the podcast Sincerely Fortune with her fiance your fiance yes, right jacks uh and she hosts the series xm morning show what a joke with papa and fortune uh with comedian tom papa and she just released her very funny netflix special sweet and salty and is about to leave on a tour yeah hello welcome thank you it's so good to be here thank you so much for coming on the show oh it's my pleasure uh right before we started you were talking about the schedule that you're keeping because you're doing this morning show yeah you get up at 5 30 5 30 monday through thursday which for most people that's like their average day yeah for comedian it's like the worst thing ever because you know we're normally doing sets at 10 p.m midnight and uh so all all my shows right now are like you know 7 8 p.m and then i'm like i can't go past 10 uh so i'm just my body's trying to adjust to the to the schedule but every day i'm like so tired yeah i um to your point about up at 5 30 is like yeah. a schedule most people keep years ago i i don't want to say i completely no, I kind of complained about having to do an interview at 8 a.m. Uh-huh. So I wanted, you used to be a celebrity journalist. Yes. I was laughing so hard during the hot goss part because <laughs> I similarly did that kind of stuff. Did and you? so I was, um, Kevin, I was interviewing Kevin Hart for a magazine and they asked if I could do it at 8 a.m. Yeah. And yes, I could, <laughs> but that's not like You're the like, best time. Right, right. Uh, and so I mentioned on a podcast that I was thinking of asking if, if we could reschedule and people got really upset about that. And, but I kind of get it, which is like, you get to interview Kevin Hart. Right. Just get up, bitch. Just get like up. The, the rest of us are up at that time. But I worked evenings at right. that time. So uh, anyway, yeah. yeah. So... And if, I feel like pe- like when you have kids, people are like, 5.30, that's so normal. Yes. But uh, for people like me who don't have kids, 5.30 is not the... We don't do that right. normally. So, But your fiancé is a kindergarten teacher, right? She is. is she yes. up super early? She was, uh, but she, this last year she took off because uh, she basically toured with me for my... Prepping for my special. Mm-hmm. And... um. So she's living the life right now because uh, I'm in between tours. I'm starting my new tour in mid-March. So she's just chilling. She's chilling. <laughs> but she was uh, a kindergarten teacher for 12 years. So she, yeah, she was the one always getting up at the Ask Crack of Dawn. And when, once she's up, I'm up. But it's the opposite. Once I'm up, she's still snoozing. Right. She, she can sleep through anything. So I guess technically I was up <laughs> even before this. <laughs> so today you got up at 5.30 a.m. Yeah. And are you tired now? Yes. This is when uh, Forchi needs a nap. <laughs> but no, I don't really... T- I'm not a big napper, so I just push through and it's all good. I mean, I really can't complain at the end of the day because the radio show is 7 and 9. Mm-hmm. Most people that are up at 5.30, you're going to a job that they then have to work all day. Right. And also, more and more, I think I'm aware that most people are going to a job they don't like. Exactly. And I really... I'm I, The best part about being like... The, a comedian actor stuff is I, I do so many different 
types of jobs. Every day is different for me. Mm-hmm. So the morning part is all is routine. Now I have that schedule and then my day changes every day after that. And I know that you also recently had an audition. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get nervous before auditions? I don't love auditions. Uh, so yeah, a little bit because to me, auditions are unnatural. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, it's not how I would behave if I, when I'm performing, you know, when the camera's on you, you're putting scenarios where you can really believe that you are that character in that place. And you're, you've got the costumes on, you're on set. Uh, but when you're in an audition, you're in a room and people are staring at you and, they're looking at you like, you know, okay, what do you got? And, uh, so it's nerve wracking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you're trying to memorize the lines and you're in your head. So it, I don't put, always put my best foot forward with auditions. Uh, but I feel like, you know, I'm s- starting to slowly get that world. So this year has been better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't suck as much at them. Uh, but uh, I guess that's just practice. I feel like you must not suck as much as you're suggesting you do because you work a ton i have i've been pretty pretty lucky but it only all of that stuff started because of stuff i wrote for myself mm. uh, because i wasn't getting cast and anything and so i was like oh man i'm gonna have to write my own stuff and so i like sold a couple pilots and they didn't end up getting picked up, but then that would lead to like another thing. Mm-hmm. And then that led to another thing. And, and it was, it just kind of like had a domino effect. Um, you, you're from North Carolina, Belmont, right? Yes. Belmont, North Carolina, where you and Jax own a second home. Uh-huh. Your mom is thrilled. I was reading about you in a North Carolina paper. Oh, how funny. North Carolina Gazette. I want to yeah. say, uh-huh. um, and in there you were talking about, how it was a bit hard to bounce back from your pilot that was about your life that Mm -hmm. Tina Fey was producing from that, not getting picked up. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah. I I had, um, I had been cast in a pilot that Tina Fey was producing and, uh, it was, this was like 2014 and I had just left Chelsea lately to pursue acting more and that pilot was supposed to get picked up and then the president got fired and as hollywood works the new people come in and clean house mm-hmm. and um so that pilot went away and then i pitched uh i knew i had tina's ear for like a minute <laughs> and i pitched my own sitcom based on my family and she was like yeah let's do it so she produced it and so i got to spend a year uh working with her on that and like uh i wrote it co-wrote it with uh 30 rock writer matt hubbard and um tina and her producing partner robert carlock would call and go literally page by page Uh, i mean she because you know sometimes you work with people in her position and they just put their name on a project and you never hear anything from them again but she was like very involved and would get on the phone for notes and give jokes um ideas and things all the time so it was like such a cool experience and then we got to the part where we got to film it for abc so then you get a taste of what it would be like Mm -hmm. you're like annie potts is my mom and i'm playing myself and john carol lynch is playing my dad and Lacey chabert was playing my sister-in-law and um it was just such a cool experience. Chris Red played my best friend. We sort of discovered him, which was a nice thing. He's now on Saturday Night Live. And um, and then we had this wonderful experience where we shot this show. And uh, 
and it was so fun and good and everybody got along and there was just so much chemistry everywhere and you think oh man this is like this is a life right here mm-hmm. and uh like you feel like your dream is coming true yeah your dream's coming true you're i was seeing because it was called family fortune so i was seeing my name everywhere you know <laughs> on golf carts and on the production office on the scripts it was so trippy and you think god this is what this is the dream this is what i came out for uh to LA and um and then uh I got to every every day after we would rehearse I would go to the writers room and they have all their 30 rock writers still go to other friends shows and help out with the punch-ups and so I'm like witnessing what it would have been like in the 30 rock room but you know with my life and so it was just the whole experience was like beyond beyond amazing and then it comes the decision and that's the most stressful part of pilot season is you get a yes or no. And uh, we got a no. And it crushed me. It mm-hmm. crushed me because, you know, it was so personal because it was my story. And it came very close. It came down to basically there wasn't um, many spots open because it was a multicam. And they basically only ended up picking up one multicam. And... uh you know, they go, they keep, they would tell me for like a year, I would run into executives, oh, your pilot tested so well. I'm like, please don't tell me that. <laughs> you know, because it had everything, all the elements, it had everything you want in a show, and it came down to, there's no room for it. Mm-hmm. And there was also another gay show, like, because my character comes out in the first episode late in life and this was the same year that the um other they picked up a different gay show uh what was it called that noah gavin guy played the lead and uh, martha plumpton was the mom anyway it was like uh the, you can't have two gay shows on right. the network basically no so a, that was what it folded in on itself that was the end of that so it just um yeah it was so sad because you just you getting the taste of it i think Mm -hmm. for me was the hardest part and seeing what it could have been um but then you know you just have to kind of take it on the chin and be grateful for the experience and and move on but i definitely like shut my computer for a minute Mm -hmm. and didn't write anything for like a year uh except for stand up what was tina's reaction you know, she's been around for so long. She's more like, you know, it was such a funny show. You did such a great job. This sucks. And, um, you know, it's, this isn't the end. There's so mm-hmm. many more great things coming. So she's more of that, you know, positive cheerleader. I think she's just used to the business being fickle and right. unpredictable. So, uh, yeah, but she was, she's so great. And, uh, and I'm glad I got that experience because I got to learn what that looks like to make your own show. And hopefully one day maybe I'll get to make, you know, write something and get to see it all the way through, you know, longer than one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, did you find the name of that other show? Yeah, The Real O'Neills. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I think it went two seasons yeah. maybe. Yeah. So in Sweet and Salty, which everyone should go watch if they have not uh, already seen it, um, you mentioned that your family was rich right before you were born. Mm-hmm. And then it's very funny the way it comes out. It's like what happened, <laughs> but you don't go into a lot of detail. I was, Mm-mm. is that, was that what the pilot 
touched on too. Uh, no, we didn't even. Well, uh, no, we didn't really even delve into that part. Uh, but we, I mean, we talked about like my parents were divorced and stuff, and my mom. Uh, my mom was a, a, a little bit of a hoarder, and we I had told I'd written that, but they just had like it was. I said she had a lot of knickknacks, mm-hmm. so the designer had what in her head was a lot of stuff. I'm like, no, this is <laughs> this is like a nice uh, Hollywood style home, you know. Uh, but because uh, my I guess we our house would look more like Roseanne's house from back in mm-hmm. the day. <laughs> Uh, like just browns and oranges and puke green colors everywhere, but uh, yeah, my my mom was uh came from a wealthy family and uh through a series of bad uh th- just mishandling of money and my grandfather dying and uh my grandmother paying off. Uh, gambling debts. Oh, of, so it was your grandfather's gra- gambling debts? No, it was uh, my mom's, one of my mom's brother's mm. gambling debts uh, that led, just, so it wasn't the one thing, it's just mm-hmm. funny to yell gambling. Right. Uh, but it was a series of things, but the gambling part was a big chunk of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by the time I was born, uh, they're like, uh-oh, no money. But my mom had been brought up with money, so mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't know how to behave. She didn't know how to be a poor woman. But hello, you don't have a choice. You're poor, <laughs> so you gotta, you know, stop coming home with bags of of knickknacks. Uh, but she couldn't stop. She just, she <laughs> loved them. She still to this day. I'll be like, you don't need that. She goes, but it was on sale. I'm like, yeah, but you would still have twenty dollars if you didn't buy three books that you don't you need, you know. So she just has a a love of things. Mm. What was your childhood like? Um, it was uh pretty uh pretty good. I mean, I'm from a very small town of like mm, I think it was like 5,000 people when I was born. Now it's 10,000. So mm. it's uh it's booming, crowded. But uh <laughs> <laughs> uh I have two older brothers, so all three of us were always in sports or scouts or dance or this or that. So, like, each uh, my parents and my grandmother, we were all sort of assigned a chaperone, and they sort of took us to our destinations all the time. Uh, all the time, and I was usually with my grandmother. Um, so, you know, I had, uh, like I said, two older brothers, so it was a lot of like playing in the neighborhood. And it was me and a bunch of boys, so I was very, I was, you know, a tomboy and was always, uh, you know, get doing what all the boys were doing, you know, playing football and mm-hmm. wrestling, and there were no girls to, like, you know, have tea parties with. <laughs> was that was that just by chance that there weren't girls your age? Yeah, it just happened. To, I mean, I ended up, once I got older and like in elementary school i would like have i was in girl scouts and stuff so i would have friends that were girls so i had that experience but like in back then you just kind of hung out with whoever was like next door mm-hmm. and or whoever was down the street uh and that just happened it just happened to be all boys and i wanted to do whatever my brothers did so wherever they went i wanted to be <laughs> right there with them and i'm sure that was so annoying to them because uh, you know i was like my oldest brother is seven years older than me mm-hmm. i'm sure he was like get out of here oh my god i think i would sit between him and his girlfriend <laughs> that was so annoying <laughs> how old were you when your parents divorced uh i was 12 what was that like 
Heartbreaking. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, my parents, when I look back, I don't remember them ever getting along. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, there's very few memories that I can think of where I ever thought, oh, my parents really love each other or they seem like friends. It always seemed like uh, two people sort of cohabitating together. I, I remember a lot of fighting. They just were very different. And um, so, you know, obviously I was sad that they were divorcing because you go, because at 12, you don't really know what that means. You're like, well, what is that? mean as far as like seeing my dad and you don't really understand where he's going um and so it was more just confusion of like <laughs> okay well what is this gonna look like and uh and so i was like bummed out and i was more bummed out because my mom was so sad and it really affected her a lot so then it had this like trickle down effect of like she's sad so now she's like depressed and and like she's not doing the all the things that she used to do and like you know not as involved she's just kind of like in her bedroom Mm. and uh was it his decision to leave it was no i mean it was she like basically called it uh but that's because he just you know wasn't being the best husband Mm -hmm. and was was doing things that you shouldn't do when you're married and, uh, so, you know, she didn't really have a choice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my brother, one of my brothers took it really hard and got very angry. So he like internalized that for a bit. But I think for me, it just sort of started, uh, this childhood as kind of like a loner, mm-hmm. like everyone was kind of doing their own thing. And I was like, Hey guys. I'm I'm 12. <laughs> so I I think that's where a lot of my like work thing comes from and being independent because I was just having to like kind of fend for myself for a while and just figure it out on my own. So in a way it's like oh that sucks cuz I was young but then I don't know if I would like have had the drive that I have if had that not happened. Mm-hmm. You say your work thing, do you mean your work ethic? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, just like seeing, you know, I, I did, I just wanted more, I guess, for whatever my life looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted peace in my house, no fighting. Not that that's, you, you're going to fight, of course, but just like, I don't want it to be like, oh, this is a common occurrence. You come home and it's fighting. Uh, and then I wanted, um, you know, we, because I saw my family, go from uh, I didn't see the wealth but I knew that they had to go from that to not having hardly anything I wanted I think that instilled like okay you gotta work that much harder to make sure that never happens to you Mm -hmm. uh so you know all these things happen and they they're hard but then you just hope that you don't make the same mistakes and you learn from it if you had stayed in that town like what what kind of job or what kind of life do you think you would have? What did people do in Belmont? Um, when I was growing up, I <laughs> couldn't wait to get out of there because it was a very sleepy town. Uh, so, uh, there was not much to do. Very boring. Everyone was nice. So it was very safe mm-hmm. uh, in, compar- in comparison to the rest of the world and um, the rest of the country. Uh, it's like a very quaint town, but it was just so boring. <laughs> There wasn't even a good restaurant in town because they it was a dry 
county. Oh. So, the, uh, so no good restaurant would come into my town because if you can't sell alcohol, you're not going to put up a nice restaurant. And, um, and, you know, God, that I mean, the town was dying. And then when I was in college, they passed the law to start allowing alcohol sales. And I tell you, I mean, I never knew this correlation between things. It, like, changed my town. It, like, saved my town in a mm-hmm. weird way. All of a sudden, like, all these uh, cute, like, places are popping up. The downtown was revitalized. And now it's, like, a place that I go home and I go, this is, my hometown's great. Like, it's <laughs> a cool place. I never would have guessed. And a lot of people from Charlotte are, like, moving there now. So, uh, it my life would have been one way had it been like it was growing up. Now mm-hmm. I'd be like, ah, oh, not so bad. I'd probably have a job in Charlotte and uh, you know, spending more time with my family than I probably need to. <laughs> uh, but for me, I it was never a question. I didn't know I wanted to be a comedian. I didn't know that I wanted to move to L.A. I just knew I wanted more mm-hmm. than what was my life there, and I didn't know what that was. What did your parents do? My mom uh, was a teacher for 30 years. She taught special ed. Uh, it was special ed for the first half, like um, kids that had like disciplinary things and it was rough. And uh, then the last part was like kids with like Down syndrome and special needs. And um, so she did that. And then my dad had a lot of different jobs. When I was growing up, he was a traveling salesman. Uh, which leaves some room to get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> and then he like worked at a trucking company. And then my last ten, the last ten years, he was like the head janitor at an elementary school, and he just retired. Mm. So it's interesting because my mom's like from this nice, this good family. She's very well educated, has her master's degree. My dad was from, as they call it, the wrong side of the tracks. Mm. And uh, she, my mom married the bad boy, but I love my dad, but that was, you know, right. he, he would be considered the bad boy back in the day. And uh, so they were, yeah, like I said, just so different. What did you think you wanted to be? I thought I would do something academic because uh, I was always kind of an overachiever, always trying to make good grades. I graduated summa cum laude in college and like was the secret nerd that was... <laughs> you know studying all the time and no one knew uh so i thought i would i didn't know what it was like a maybe a lawyer or i would get my master's in something but i never had a clear vision of that but i do know that my in my at my college i got two opportunities to give speeches uh one was because we had an associate's degree and um the bachelor's degree and at the associate's I got to give one at both graduations and that feeling I made people laugh during the speech. And then I also had some quotes that people like, you know, I, I, did you I, go viral? I didn't, there <laughs> Way was, back when. there was no, uh, there was no inner, well, there was internet, then, right. but no, viral I know what you mean. <laughs> but, uh, I learned what it felt like to have the audience's full attention for 10 minutes whatever mm-hmm. it was and i remember being like whoa this is <laughs> this is cool I, I and so i thought oh maybe i'll do something in speaking I, comedy didn't even seem like an option it just didn't seem like it 
that's a real job. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's because you were in North Carolina? Oh, in Belmont? for sure. Yeah. You just didn't. I mean, I grew up watching Saturday Night Live, but you didn't think, oh, like, I can't, I can't be that. Like, mm-hmm. how did, you know, what is LA? Uh, but it was, um, giving that second speech my senior year, uh, is what led me to LA because the, we had, we had an actress who was the commencement speaker and I, we hit it off and long story short, she ended up hiring me to be her assistant. So I moved to LA as a like life adventure. Mm -hmm. I still didn't come out here thinking I'm going to be a comedian. Because I did, th- I did theater in college, but I wasn't great at it. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I had um, pretty terrible stage fright back then. Really? Mm-hmm. But how were you worried? Or sorry, were you nervous to do the speeches? No, for some reason I wasn't, and I don't know what the difference was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe because when I was being myself, but uh, yeah, I think by nature I'm a, a little bit shyer than people realize, and mm-hmm. then I had to sort of train myself to like step out of that how did you do it i think improv helped a lot um and it kind of because i was always scared of forgetting my lines i don't Mm. know why i guess the rule you're a secret nerd i'm a secret nerd and the rule (laughs) follower in me was terrified of getting it wrong you know so it instilled this like fear so improv sort of was this tool that helped me go, okay, well, even if you forget a line, you can make one up, you know? And it was like this weird a little secret tool that, mm-hmm. that let me perform with levity mm-hmm. uh, that I hadn't had before. And uh, practice, I think, just pr- doing it a lot more helps. But with speeches, I don't think I was as nervous because I got to read the lines mm-hmm. and look up. So it wasn't like fully, <laughs> I didn't have that line fear, I right. guess. What did you major in? Uh, communication. So you came out here to be a personal assistant as sort of a, an adventure. Was your family supportive mm-hmm. of it? Yeah, I think, well, you know, my mom was just like bummed. I was moving cross country. I don't think anyone thought I would, they thought maybe I'd live in like Raleigh, like the other city in North Carolina that's big, but um, I don't think anyone ever would have guessed LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my mom kind of thought I would go and be back in like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, or that I would like, yeah, I would go do it and then like go to grad school somewhere. Um, but I think they were just kind of like, okay, this is what she's doing. I don't know. Um, and you know, for a long time, she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> she wanted me to like, she's like, well, if you're going to be there, don't you want to go to grad school at UCLA? And I'll be like, no. Because <laughs> yeah. by that point, I had discovered the Growlings. Mm. I'm like, well, this is my grad school. She's like, yeah, but it doesn't have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think they were more, I think she was just more worried about mm-hmm. me because I was broke for so long. And not getting work, you know, and uh, it's kind of it's scary because you know if you do have a family that doesn't have much money, and you're pursuing a big dream, if it doesn't work out, there's no one to bail you out. Right. 
if you're in that situation and you're looking to save money, you know, it would help you so much. (laughs) (laughs) A free browser extension called Honey that I don't know if you're familiar with Honey. Uh, Oh, yeah. I love it. It's great. Yeah. I use it all the time. It's just a it 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 saves you money when you shop online it does not cost you anything um and so let's say you're on amazon it will tell you uh if the like if you're looking at an item on amazon it'll tell you if this is the lowest price or if there's a lot of price variation or if there might be somewhere else you can get it that it's going to be cheaper um or, or if you're on a different site and it's like do you have um I am making this so much wordier than it needs to be. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm passionate about honey. And also my brain has decided to work at half speed right now. Uh, when, like you have a promo code, a coupon code. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, a coupon code. And in the old days before I had honey, I would then have to go Google and try to you know, find a bunch of different ones and try them all. Honey does that for you. You see it trying all the different ones. It saves you so much money. It is amazing uh and if you're not using it you really should be honey's found it's over 18 million members over two billion dollars and savings honey supports over thirty thousand stores online including macy's target sephora best buy and more and they're adding more every day it has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the google chrome store using honey feels pretty great think of it as a little daily victory plus it's free to use and installs in just a few seconds get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash allison that's joinhoney.com slash Allison. Joinhoney.com slash Allison. All right. Back to Fortune and the Groundlings and being a personal assistant mm-hmm. and being broke. Were you doing all those at the same time? I was. Yeah. I was. Uh, I w- I w- well, actually, the assistant job lasted about two years. And turns out I'm not a great assistant. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I, uh, you know, it, it was great in that it got me to LA and then that, that was good. And, uh, <laughs> I just was, I'm just not an organized person. Mm-hmm. I can, I can get my life figured out, but anybody else's life, not so much. Uh, so once that ended, uh, I was doing, I was, uh, doing the journalism job cause her neighbor was a journalist and, uh, was like, do you want to cover events for me? Um, what magazine was it for? It or was the newspaper? LA Daily News and the New York Daily News, like little blurbs uh, for like premieres and stuff. And I was doing that while I was an assistant. And uh, while I was doing that, this other company, all all this led back to that freaking graduation speech. Because she's like, I heard you're a good writer mm-hmm. from the speech you gave. And uh, I so I did that. And then this other com- company who wrote for like, at the time it was, um, Netscape, AOL, they had all these news things. Mm-hmm. Look, before the, it was before the internet was just full of uh, news. Right, we were kind of the first ones that were like putting out all this content, and um, they were like, I heard, you know, so we saw that you write for this column. We need somebody to write part time, so I started doing that part time. Um, while I was an assistant and then that led to a full-time job and I was like, Oh, you mean I can make twice the amount of money (laughs) and not have to be someone's assistant? Sign me up. So I became a journalist. That was like my day job. At where? Uh, that was the Netscape doc. Cause I wrote from home. 
but the company was like in uh, the creator syndicate, so it would go out to a hundred newspapers, all these online places. Wait, was it called Creator Syndicate? It was for the Creator Syndicate. Okay, it, it was called Beck Smith. It was there was a journalist on the West Coast named Marilyn Beck, who was sort of the West Coast Liz Smith, if that. For those yes. who know the hot <laughs> right? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I did that for like the next six years, and it allowed me to at least pay my bills. You know, wasn't again not rich, uh, but it let me pay my bills. And then at night, I started taking improv just to really make friends. I didn't know many people in LA, mm-hmm. and then that quickly became a passion. And then I kept at I stayed at the Groundlings for like the next six years, and also started stand up. Uh, around that time, early on in that time too, uh, where I was like, I'm going to try this, uh, talking thing again. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, yeah. And then it became pretty evident early on that that was like what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Stand up more than improv. Just comedy. I wanted to do whatever paid me for a job. And I was finding that doing him i was learning all all the skills that i have now for acting uh and improv came from the growlings Mm -hmm. but i wasn't getting work from it because you know when you're like one of 10 people in an improv group they don't know what your voice is they're like oh you're she's funny but they don't know your voice or uh anything like that i didn't really start working until i started stand up Mm -hmm. so i loved them all equally it's just that not, literally nothing happened in my career until I started stand-up. Did you know what your voice was right away? Um, No. You have to... I mean, it just takes a while to find what you th- think is funny. I usually... Like, at the Groundlings, I would play, like, very over-the-top, bold, big characters. Mm-hmm. And that would make people laugh. So I didn't know I liked that. I like kind of busting out in some wig and crazy outfit. <laughs> And uh, getting those laughs. But stand-up, it was... It took a minute to figure out what I wanted to say. So I'm not, I still do this. <laughs> I'm writing a new set now. And I still think, what do I want to say? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm... Uh, I'm... You know, some people just have that, like... They have a million thoughts a minute. And they say, you know... The Eliza Schlesinger's of the world can talk and talk and talk and talk have so much to say i just don't my brain doesn't operate like that very it's very specific Mm -hmm. about what comes out of my mouth and what i want to talk about i don't know if that makes sense it does Mm -hmm. but given that how how do you feel then doing a morning show and a podcast i mean it is that's a challenge it's a challenge for me because i'm not a chatty kathy uh i'm more of a listener Mm -hmm. uh than i am a talker um, so, you know, I go into each morning kind of not knowing what we're going to talk about. Luckily, Tom is the one that sort of drives the, um, like topics. Mm-hmm. And then when someone asks me questions, I'm pretty good at just, I can answer them. But if I have to be like, oh, just think of, just talk. You're like, what? what? <laughs> uh, so he'll, you know, start something and then I'm fine. And then I'll have plenty to say. But when it's up to me, like with my podcast, we really do have to sit there and I have to really think about topics. Like, what is it that I find interesting? What do I want to talk about? And uh, and that that becomes a little bit more of a challenge uh, because it's not, um, I'm not just getting on a microphone and being like, hey 
guys. So my day's kind of crazy. Because <laughs> I just don't, my brain doesn't think like that. Mm-hmm. It wants to like go. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do a podcast, then let's talk about, you know, divorce or death or, you know, I don't know. It, like, it's, it, I'm like, oh, God, every episode doesn't need to be so heavy mm-hmm. which is funny because i'm a comedian <laughs> but i i uh so i'm learning to just like shoot the shit more i guess mm-hmm. but you 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 present your podcast like here's a chance to get to know you in a more earnest fashion mm-hmm. yeah because uh i just feel like there's a lot of different sides to me and my comedy is usually presenting the side of me that is super silly uh super like oh whatever and um and i know that there's like a deeper side to me a more sincere side of me so i thought well everyone's kind of getting a chance to see the silly side all the time what is something that people aren't seeing and it's that so i thought well let's try it you know but then you do it sometimes be like well what sincere topic can I talk about now? <laughs> and then occasionally we'll be like, in today's pop culture news, you know, <laughs> you just change it up. How did Chelsea Lately come about? Um, that came about because they were looking for a new writer. And this was the height of the that show's fame. And I had just tested twice, two summers in a row for SNL. Um, that was like always my dream. Mm -hmm. And after the second summer, it didn't happen. Uh, and I was broke. I kind of was like at a crossroads of like, I don't know, I'm going to pay my bills. And my manager, um, was like, well, listen, they're doing a, a, a big search for a new writer at Chelsea lately. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be, I've been a journalist for the last seven years. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to, I want to be, I want to act, I want to act, I want to be a comedian. She goes, yeah, but they put their, you know, performers on, their writers on TV. And so I sort of begrudgingly put together a package for it. I didn't know what I was doing because I'd never written for television, but I watched a bunch of her monologues and the round table and to sort of try to get a sense of what was funny for that Mm. show and i put together a packet were you familiar with her before not really i had read her book and i had but i didn't really follow the show uh you because that was when i was in the thickest stand-up so i was at i was at the comedy store every night Mm -hmm. you know until one in the morning um so i didn't really see it and uh but i had read her book and her very first book i thought was really funny my horizontal life yeah yeah and uh which I still think is probably one of her best books. And um, so I put together this packet, and I didn't hear anything for months, just assumed it had gone away. And then I got a call from her producers to that I, they wanted to meet with me. And, you know, I went there, and there was, like, 20 other people mm-hmm. meeting. I was like, oh, okay, not going to get this. And then I, they were really nice, and um, then it, it occurred to me in that meeting, like, Oh my God, what I've been doing for the last seven years, I've been interviewing, you know, as an entertainment journalist, I mean, pop culture has been my entire life for the right. last seven years. I'm like, I actually, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I was qualified to do this job because I just thought since it was comedy writing, I wouldn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I ended up getting uh, the next round was meeting Chelsea and I met with her and them, the producers, 
I didn't know that, not Chelsea, but the producers had come to one of my growling shows. Oh. So they had seen me perform. So I didn't realize they were looking at me as a writer, but more as a performer. Mm -hmm. And um, I met with her for like 10 minutes, and then she stood up in the middle of our conversation and goes, okay, thanks for coming. And I was like, oh, well, she hated me. (laughs) And I called my manager and like, well, that, she just walked, she just stood up in the middle of our conversation and left so i don't i don't think she liked me and i don't think i got the job and then the next day they called and i got hired to be the writer and what a whirlwind now that i know chelsea i know that she decided in her brain i like her she's hired i gotta go you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah she just at that time in her life just was so busy she didn't have time to like sit there right and keep chatting mm-hmm. and uh and and uh so yeah it just that really changed everything for me because it went from no one knew what to do with me and me never getting hired because i was different and that Mm -hmm. being a bad thing to like i'm different and chelsea likes that and now i'm on tv and now people go oh she thinks she's good then i oh yeah we think she's good too so it really opened the doors i i started i mean i was a writer the whole time but I wasn't supposed to be on the round table right away, but they ended up putting me on like a month into writing there. Um, so it, yeah, it was like definitely my big break mm-hmm. as they say mm-hmm. in the biz. <laughs> <laughs> what was that experience? Like I have heard, I full disclosure, I've heard like a lot of things about really positive And then also it, it was a tough room Yeah, or a tough, place well when i got hired like i said it was the height of that fame for all of them so it was tough starting there because everybody was famous <laughs> and i was no no one i was a nobody and uh so at that point who was it who so was there? it was for writer wise christopher and jola heather mcdonald sarah colonna who we yeah. usually know um jen no jen kirkman had had been there and then left Mm -hmm. everyone thinks i replaced guy branham i didn't replace him he was there and uh then he left and like there was like two people in between us Mm -hmm. that didn't work out and then me um so so there are some people to this day they're like you replaced guy like i didn't replace him um and then joe coy lonnie love were like the regulars on the round table Mm -hmm. um uh yeah and um josh wolf so those comics were just like killing it in the comedy clubs they were selling out shows every weekend and chelsea was like doing arenas or stadiums Mm -hmm. i don't know you know like eighteen thousand seaters and uh yeah, they were all having a good time. Uh, so you were the newbie. I was a newbie, so it was a tough nut to crack because, um, you know, everybody would have their click and their thing, and I was just like this little country bumpkin. <laughs> Even though I'd been living in L.A., you know, I, was, I had no money, and they were, like, going to these, like, fancy lunches, and I'm like, I'll have a nice tea. Uh, and so, and I was... I have a tendency to be quiet mm-hmm. when I'm out of feeling out of place or new. And so everybody thought I was like, just so silent mm-hmm. and like, uh, but then I do the round table and do really well. 
And so I was getting in sketches left and right. And so then I'm the new person getting on TV left and right. So there was a little bit of resentment, jealousy there. Uh, But then, so that was for the first year. Like I didn't really, I wasn't really fitting in Mm -hmm. socially, but everyone liked me, uh, but I wasn't like good friends with anybody. Uh, But then after like a year, I finally crossed that threshold uh, where I got, I don't know, I guess they were like, okay, she's going to be around. And I got <laughs> initiated into the group, I guess. And then everybody became like my good friend and we were like laughed every day. And So it was a one-year probationary period. It was a pro- <laughs> Yeah, they were kind of, I think, just filled because they had had, like I said, after guy, right. a couple between that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So I think they might have thought, well, this one, <laughs> right. this one might not last. <laughs> might get close to her. Um, and then once they realized I was not going anywhere, they we were all got really tight and uh yeah i mean the show was for for the most part very positive for me uh i didn't i'm not a person that gets wrapped up in whatever so like uh did any drama that was had i was never a part of i kind of i got along with everybody and kept it light and silly and uh, you know, it did get to a point, and she talks about it herself. Chelsea didn't want to be there mm-hmm. anymore. She was ready to move on, and and um, you know, so that made it a little bit of like, what is, she, what do we do? What does she want? You know, is she gonna like these jokes? We didn't know, and um, and then, but that sort of made the rest of us get even closer because we would just like laugh and have a good time, and uh, the thing about that show that people don't realize. Is that, you know, what you saw on TV was so crazy and fun. And and we were all, the friendships were real. There was nothing fake about that. Uh, But the job itself was very corporate. And you would have never guessed that Mm -mm. from watching the show. I mean, we had to be there at 8.30, you know, writing all day till 6. There was, you know, if you wanted to get a coffee, you had to ask for permission. I mean, you know, to like go to the little corner coffee place. Um, so there was a lot of rules and, you know, this and that, but, um, but I really loved it. And, uh, I don't think I've ever laughed that much at a job than I did there. Would you say the coffee place was kind of far from where you were and that you would really hope to be wearing comfortable shoes when oh, you're walking there? For sure. Then you know what shoes you needed, but you want to be stylish too. Right. You, In fact, you kind of want to wear shoes that Meghan Markle has endorsed. <laughs> I'm talking about Rothy's. I don't know if I'd say she endorsed them, but she was seen wearing them and then they were just flying off the shelves. And But they don't, they don't need her to fly off the shelves. Rothy's are their own thing and everyone is into them. And you will be too because they're super stylish, super comfortable flats for life on the go. They're made out of recycled water bottles. And when I heard that, I thought, I don't want crunchy water bottle shoes. You would never guess it from touching them. They feel like really soft but durable fabric um you will not get blisters in them i've mentioned it before but i have to i've mentioned it because it feels it, i feel it's compelling kathleen our dog walker wears rothy's and when i first became acquainted with them i saw she had them on and i said are those rothy's and she said yes they're the only shoes i can wear out of the box and they don't give me blisters take it from kathleen uh, and also they're fully machine washable. Every time you need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine. It's like getting a fresh pair every laundry day. Um, they come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns, and they sell out quickly. Uh, so you're going to become obsessed, and then you're going to need to 
get the ones you want fast and you're going to want to go buy more. It's just what happens. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Allison. Go to rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash Allison to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash Allison today. You mentioned, um, Fortune, you mentioned uh, that you were different and people really didn't know like where to place you. And then Chelsea mm-hmm. was like, Oh, we like that you're different. Yeah. Um, before that happened, mm-hmm. feeling different. Did you ever try to conform or try to change to fit in more? No, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that's why it was taking me longer, uh, to get a job. I couldn't even get an agent. Um, because my accent was thick and I mean, I thought, well, I could go to, I don't know, learn how to... To be deprogrammed? Yeah, to be deprogrammed, <laughs> but, like, why? And, I mean, I've always been a person that wears jeans and T-shirts. Uh, my body's just... A, I'm just a bigger person. I've had this crazy hair. So I just didn't think that trying to be anything else was going to work. It, I I just sort of knew that it, I would look ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, the hope was that... I, I never wavered in, like, that one day it would turn around or somebody Mm -hmm. would, you know, see it as a good thing. I just, I knew it would happen. I just didn't know when. And I had to just kind of like keep trucking and keep, I I would perform all the time. That's kind of great that you had that faith in yourself. Yeah. I just, I learned early on, you have to kind of bet on yourself. There's been several situations in my career where I just had to like put trust in me and it's a hard thing to do because you like start second guessing mm. and like, is this the right thing? Like, you know, what, what ifs? And, um, I just have always, I, I get pretty, pretty strong intuition, pretty good gut feelings about things. And I've just learned to sort of not fight that. Mm. And, uh, it's, you know, helped lead me where I need to go. And, um, and so, yeah, I've been in those crossroads in life, just have to, tr- yeah, trust that gut feeling and and are you talking about something like leaving Chelsea lately to do the pilot? Or? Yeah, I mean that was one. That was one instance. I mean, I had a job that was secure. I was making more money than I had made before, mm-hmm. and uh, I really loved that job and I love my friends there. And I had to make a decision because you can't write on a show full time and then also be trying to be an actor. You mm-hmm. know, like you just you kind of have to choose one or the other. And I had to make that choice. And uh, it was hard. It was hard because at that point we had kind of all become like a family. And I think Chelsea, you know, felt uh, very invested in me. And and um, she was always really good to me. And I think when I made the decision to leave for that Tina Fey show, it was hard for everybody. Um, and so, you know, uh, and it was hard for me because I had to leave the show before I even tested for that pilot and I had to think, okay, you're leaving a job you really love. You're leaving money. You're leaving security and you might not even get this part, but I knew what my dream was and my dream was to be a performer. It was to be an actor, be a comedian. It wasn't to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And I knew that this was a, you know, a time in my life where I had to bet on myself and, uh, you know, and I did. And, um, and I, I did get the pilot. Like I said, it ended up not going, 
But had I not made that decision, I would never have been on Mindy Project. I would, all these things mm-hmm. that came after, I would have never sold my own show with Tina. Like, it affected so many things. And it. I thank God I bet on myself. And, you know, luckily at Chelsea's, I got to keep doing the round table. And so I had that. And, um, and then I ended up coming back and doing a lot for Chelsea once she went to Netflix. So it all worked out in the end, but it was definitely hard feeling like you were kind of letting somebody down. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think she knew that I had to chase my dreams. Where do you think that faith in yourself comes from? God, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I really don't know. I think, I think I've always had a clear vision of like, knowing that I was supposed to do something. I don't know what that, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. know what that even is, but like, I've always known that there was something, like I said, even when I was in small town or something bigger, just to do something. I'm sort of just following this path and it's really gut instincts. Mm -hmm. I can't even really put a description to what that is, but it almost feels like there's a path and, and it's going somewhere and I'm just like kind of, doing the work and following the feelings wherever that path is taking me. And so I think there's just something in me that trusts that path. Mm. And I don't really know where that comes from. Maybe being broke and not having much and just like working so hard to get out of that. And then, uh, yeah, once I found comedy, it just seemed like, okay, there's a path for you. Mm -hmm. Follow it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and maybe maybe it's just me being naive or I don't know clumsily following a path that doesn't exist, but it feels like it's leading me somewhere. I love that. Yeah, it's just I think it's the one thing that keeps me just sort of moving along and making these leaps of faith is this blind faith and the path. <laughs> <laughs> so you came out at twenty five mm-hmm. and. When did you realize you were gay? I probably a year before that had it start bubbling up a lot more. I mean, I can look back and see signs from, you know, since I can remember, since learning to walk, basically. But I didn't think about it much growing up because it was not something that people really talked about Mm -hmm. back then and... Like I talk about my special, there wasn't a lot of representation. You didn't see gay people on TV, and uh, you didn't see it. no one really. There was no one talked about it. There was no YouTube. Uh, the internet was when I got to college was just kind of becoming a thing, and uh, and so it wasn't as like, oh, they're gay, they're gay. This mm-hmm. person's gay. Like you just we just didn't talk about it, and so um, it wasn't. Uh, in my conscience, no one called me gay. It was never derogatory. You know, like how you hear people like, oh, they would call me like, faggot. Like, right. no one was saying that to, like, it just wasn't in the vernacular either, uh, growing up. And, um, so, yeah, it feels very naive to say that, but it wasn't on the radar. I went to college. Again, it was like a small college. It was a women's college. So there was none of that. Like, mm-hmm. you're gay. Like, no one was, even t- taunting right. me like that. Um, I just ha- was very intense about friends. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just kind of like being too wrapped up in their 
lives and who they were dating. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that that what that angst was. The angst was I probably had some sort of feelings for them, but didn't know how to put that into mm-hmm. uh, what, to, you know, even know what that was. Um, so I just sort of pushed everything down and focused on grades and school and sports and just tried to be an overachiever. Did you think that you liked did you think that you were attracted to men? I thought so, yeah. I thought, yeah, I just needed to meet. I just hadn't met the right guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't guys like me? You know, you. I think people forget that gay people are rejected. I mean, a lot more people are coming out earlier now, so they don't have to deal with that rejection for as long. But my generation, you just were like, oh, why... Why am I never the object of someone's affection? Mm-hmm. And you sort of think, well, there must be something wrong with me. I'm not appealing. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not skinny enough. And uh, you really, f- really have to fight that, like mm-hmm. to not let it just make you feel like a giant piece of shit. So I think that's where the overachieving. That's came interesting. In. I think you kind of just said just said this, but I'm just realizing that, like, in in thinking about people's coming out story and thinking about their own personal story. Yeah. I never, I never really thought about all the rejection that you must Mm -hmm. have accrued over the years. Although there are some gay people who did have relationships with people of the opposite sex. Yeah. They, yeah. Plenty of gay people did. Um, but you know, for, for the ones like me who did it, who thought you were straight. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just knew like when you met a guy, you immediately were like high fiving. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, what? What is the? Where's the disconnect? Why is there? Why are we not? Why are there no vibes? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know. Why are we not vibing in that way? You're like, oh, it must be me, right? And uh, so there's that, and you know, and I think a certain generation of gay people, uh, it really messed with them. You know, messed with their self esteem. Some people started drinking a lot you know some people had low self-esteem some people you know affect them in even deeper ways and then other people just sort of you know go oh that sucked and you just mm-hmm. figure it out and move on for me i like i said tried to find validation in every other way being the best tennis player making the good grades being the student body president oh if i'm busy that's where i'm valid you know, I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. And so I just threw myself into achieving. Did you, I know that you were raised Methodist. Mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts about homosexuality? No, no, I was, thankfully I was not, you know, cause some of you were probably your biggest homophobic people in the world. The, the truth is that they're uh, for a lot of those people, not everyone They're They're often hiding their mm-hmm. own, uh, gain they're probably gay right again that's not everyone some people are just very religious and are very against it but some as is the case with a lot of homophobic people they are they are battling their own demons with that so thankfully i was never like oh i hate gay people because there's so many people like that um or who won't even be around gay people because they're afraid they're gonna be found out Mm. uh i just like I said, it wasn't really, I wasn't exposed to Mm -hmm. many gay people. didn't know many gay people. And, um, but I was never like, ew, gay people. (laughs) And my church was very, uh, Methodist was was very like, uh, even though they've had that big vote of not having gay people, uh, 
be a part of the clergy or whatever. As a congregation, they were kind of very like, ah, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a, a Southern Baptist thing of like, you're going to hell. Right. Yeah. Right. Didn't, they didn't talk like that. How did you meet your fiance? I met her at uh, Pride in Chicago, Gay Pride in Chicago, almost five years ago. Um, I went because uh, my r- old roommate in LA was living in Chicago and was about to move. And um, he's like, come see me, come hang out. And then there was like a, the their gay pride in Chicago is so fun and big. And there was a, a lesbian event happening. And they asked me to come like introduce the bands or whatever. And I got there and like literally met her like 15 minutes into being there. We just started chatting and uh, I just could like we hit it off and have basically been together ever since as lesbians too. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have two dogs. We have two dogs. I gave birth to both. <laughs> uh, yeah, two. Yeah, she. We were long distance for a year, and then she. We we were both exhausted at the end of that year because <laughs> I was touring for stand up, and we were visiting each other. So we just kind of hit this crossroads of like, we're either doing this and one of us is moving or we're breaking up because we can't keep this schedule up. And because of my job and the last minute auditions and I just had to be in LA and God bless her. She just, she made the decision to be the one to, to give up, you know, she really loved her job. She had a lot of friends and she really made a lot of sacrifices and came out here. Um, so she's been out here about three and a half years. We're engaged. We're going to get married. We just, neither one of us are planners. So <laughs> we're kind of looking at each other like, are you going to plan it? Are you going to plan it? So one of us has to get on it. And maybe kids? Maybe. We were on the, very much on the fence. She'd be such a great mom. Um, cause she's an awesome teacher and kids just really gravitate towards her. But we just don't know as far as for ourselves. Um, it's of like what we want our lifestyle to look mm-hmm. like because i know once you have kids it definitely shifts from like let's travel all the time <laughs> to like a whole different ball game so i don't know i think we're both kind of just keeping it open seeing where life takes us but we seem to be on the same page with that so mm-hmm. that's good so we have some questions that came. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And we have some questions that came in there and on Twitter. And we have a little song. When we ask they send them in, they're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay, Stephanie Loftus would like to know, is Fortune your real name or a stage name? Where did the name come from? It is uh, my middle name. Uh, My first name is Emily. And Fortune is my great-grandmother's maiden name. Uh, So I have a lot of fortunes in my family with the last name. Uh, I grew up as Emily, my first name. Because it's my mom's favorite name, and uh, but it was my grandmother who I was really, really close to wanted my mom from the, before I was even born to call me Fortune, mm. um, and she was very adamant about it. And my mom thought it was too big of a name, uh, so after my grandmother died, I I decided I was going to start going by Fortune as kind of a nod to her, mm. thinking you could be like Fortune. 
on stage and Emily in life, and it doesn't quite work out like that. I quickly fortune took over, mm-hmm. the, and that I don't really feel like an Emily and haven't for a very long time. What's your mom call you? She calls me Emily. Yeah, but if she says fortune, it's weird. But if anyone else calls me Emily, it's weird. Mm-hmm. So it's it's funny how right you kind of associate different people with that. Uh, Whitney C wants to know what's the best feeling, no matter how fleeting or minor your body has experienced today or this week or this month. How how uh, what's the best feeling? Yeah, the best feeling your body has experienced, no matter how fleeting or minor. Oh gosh. I know. Uh, it's a thinker. That is it's a It's a head scratcher. I mean, I always uh, uh, hate exercise. It's like, well, <laughs> I love sports. Like, I love sports, but to like exercise, exercise, I hate. Uh, but when Jax, my partner, makes me go hiking, I'm always like, ugh, I'm pulling my clothes. Ugh, I gotta <laughs> freaking do this. But then once I'm doing it, it feels really nice. And that's like, you just feel like so much energy mm-hmm. and like you're doing something for your body so i wish that feeling <laughs> outweighed my like uh more in your uh, special you talk about a doctor who slapped your naked belly yes <laughs> do you do you still go to this doctor no, uh it, it's like a health center that, oh. that like doctors rotate okay. so i like went i went there just because it was quick and i had to get a um a typhoid shot right? typhoid shot yeah because we were going to thailand and uh and we were going to be working with elephants. And uh, so I was like, oh, I just got to get the shot. So I don't even know the doctor's name. People get really mad about that, that, that the doctor did that. They're like, that is so wrong. That That's so, like bad. I'm like, whatever. Give me the last 15 minutes of my special. <laughs> so I don't really that's care. True. Yeah. <laughs> and right, it kicked off like a... Uh, uh, the health, a, the health yeah. emphasis, right? Yeah, we did. Like, you, do, you did whole thirty, right? I did whole thirty I twice. About that. I lost forty pounds. I've no, I put on like thirteen back. So everyone's like, "Wait, are you eating gluten again?" I'm like, mm, <laughs> "Unfortunately." So we're we, you know, we go in in and out of it. I always, that's why I try to say like, oh, listen, it's it's a journey, mm-hmm. and and there are times when we're being much healthier, and then times where I'm just like being. Giant pig, <laughs> <laughs> but we're but we're slowly getting back into. Once we start hiking, that really does get us back in the mindset of like, okay, let's you know simmer down with a cake. Uh, what kind of cake? Oh, any <laughs> cake. I couldn't even I go on to the next question. I love cake. <laughs> any cake, really. Okay, Brianna Andrade. Or Brianne, Brianne, write in with a phonetic spelling of your name, please, because I think I'm not doing it right. How is she liking her pool? She hasn't been on Straight Talk in a while to give an update. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Uh, Straight Talk's Ross Matthews podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah he. Uh, I had a. I put in a pool like, gosh, like six years ago. She has a good memory, and Ross want, wanted credit for tell because asked him a lot of questions about. Mm-hmm building it and had he put one into he had done it and then heather mcdonald gave me a lot of advice too so they they've often uh bickered about who inspired right my pool. Who, who deserves credit uh they both and i'm like it was a combo of a lot of research guys like <laughs> calm down uh but the pool's great i mean, it's lovely to have one in southern california but honestly i end up using the hot tub more than anything because mm. uh la is a weird place where it is sunny but it's not always hot. right so you know apparently they have inflatable hot tubs they do yeah oh, and my funny. husband is has been 
he said he's like i'm not saying i'm gonna do this but <laughs> in in this way that was very clearly like this is what you want to do he's like but i'm just telling you that we're gonna exists. do yeah exactly and how he, he's like how might, much would you guess it maybe is maybe we should try it <laughs> um and i don't understand how an inflatable hot tub can it, wouldn't it melt yeah. i mean i guess it's yeah. not that high. it's very confusing to me to put up portable i mean uh what are those called above, above ground. ground yeah if you wanted the hot tub it out he does uh, I, it's not I, my dream i but just it's say his. if you if you're gonna go get a hot tub don't, don't even just skip the inflatable just get yeah, the just go straight above to it. ground one uh I won't tell him you said that. <laughs> okay. Lauren Kelly says, no question, but I loved her special and am a fan of her in general. Smiley face. Aww. Smitty scoop. My wife is a soccer player. As such, she's interested in learning about Fortune's soccer history. Did she play in <laughs> high school and college? How often does she play now? What position does she play? Interesting. For all you soccer lovers out there, I grew up playing soccer. Well, when I say grew up, I played from the age of five to 12 and I was hardcore. I loved soccer. It was like my life. I had like wow. my entire bedroom was decorated with soccer balls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not a great decoration. Um, but I wait, actual soccer balls or like, like, like anything picture of a soccer ball. But I grew up in a time where women's, there were not many women's soccer teams. Uh, and then uh, in my home small town, they didn't let girls play on. I played with boys my whole five to 12 mm-hmm. uh, years. Once you hit junior high, they don't, you know, back again, it's a different time. They didn't let girls play on boys teams. Mm. So I didn't have a choice. I had to quit soccer and uh they never they didn't get a girls team until i graduated wow. high school and i think the year i graduated high school they got a girls soccer team which is crazy um and then uh my senior year of college my college started a soccer team um that's how behind north we were on women's soccer teams and I went from not having played soccer since I was 12 to playing on my college soccer team. And I loved it. It was awesome. And then once I moved to L.A., I've now been playing in a soccer league for the last 15 years. Oh, wow. And I, I play Ford. I'm a shooter. And I play in a seven-on-seven league. So it's like a small goal. And you it's a lot more sprinting than it is just running on mm-hmm. a giant field. But my main sport I'm the best at is tennis. I played in all four years in college. And do you still play tennis? I do. I just, it's hard because you need someone to play with. Right. And, uh, and I was in a league out here with basically, I was basically the only woman in the whole league. Um, but you have to get your own sub when you can't make it. And my schedule's so crazy. I was yeah. constantly being like, who can sub for me? <laughs> and it's just too, too stressful. Yeah. One hand or two handed back, back? I'm a one hander. Backhand. One hander. Okay, Laura says, love her ice cream dances. What is her favorite flavor? Thoughts on old man flavors like pistachio and butter pecan. Underrated. I didn't. I don't think a butter pecan is an old man flavor. That's funny. I, that once she said that, I was like, oh, that my dad loves butter pecan. So maybe. <laughs> uh i i like a good salted caramel or a or a nice mint chocolate chip. Um, I yeah, they're like um. There's, there's so many art what do you, artisanal? artisanal yeah like blue uh, cheese yeah olive. <laughs> like they're they're really taking ice cream to the next level mm-hmm. some of those are really tasty and others are very bizarre but like salt and straw so good jenny's ice cream uh cool house uh any of those 
places have really nice flavors. Old man flavors. I'm not a pistachio person, but I could get down with some butter pecan every now and then. It's how not did, my go-to, but... How did the ice cream dances start? I was at Disneyland with uh, Jillian Bell. She, uh, she's an actress. I don't know. She's on uh, Workaholics and mm-hmm. a bunch of like stuff. And uh, we were at Disneyland and the parade was coming through. And I w- it was so hot, I got some ice cream to watch the parade. And uh, they were all sitting down because the parade hadn't come yet. And it finally started passing by us. And I was eating my ice cream. I didn't realize I was so happy eating it that I started dancing to the parade coming by. And I was all by myself. And they were, I didn't know they were filming me. (laughs) And they sent it to me. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. (laughs) And I posted it on Instagram just being like, somebody loves ice cream or whatever I put. And it it became a thing. Like, after that, it was like, well, where's your ice cream dance? I'm like, huh? They're like, you got to dance. Like, they wanted me. Mm-hmm. So it became this thing where, all right, you guys want it. Here's me <laughs> dancing with ice cream. And then now it's like, where is the ice cream dance? Uh, so it's just like, a, you know, everyone wants content. It's like <laughs> something else to, like, post besides being like, come to my stand-up shows. <laughs> Do you feel like you're in an ice cream dance prison of your own making? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, when I'm on the whole 30, I'm not, I can't eat dairy. Right. So then I'm like, God, they want an ice cream dance, but I'm not eating dairy. What am I going to do? It's so so silly, but it's fun (laughs) that like people care and it's just like a little fun thing to put on the internet to make people forget about uh, the shit fire that's happening in politics (laughs) in the world. Okay. Lizzie Rose says... By the way, similar question. Hi, big fan of you both. I have one box of Thin Mints left, and I want to make an epic Thin Mint thin mint milkshake. Should I use vanilla? <laughs> vanilla. <laughs> Should I use vanilla, mint, chocolate, or another flavor of ice cream? I could go to Jenny's. I'd go vanilla if you're gonna mix up the thin. Yeah, because uh, anything else would sort of overpower, overpower it. Okay. In my expert opinion. <laughs> and <laughs> lastly, Shmoo says, I remember watching the live Facebook video of the day you got Maddie. Have you ever rewatched it? At that time, could you imagine your life would be what it is now? I'm also so happy to hear Biggie is doing better. Oh my gosh. I forgot about those live videos. There was a time I was doing tons of live Facebook mm. videos. Uh, yeah, I mean, when we got my dog Maddie, I hadn't had a dog since I was a kid, so I was kind of like, what is this, what is this going to be like? And now I'm, like, obsessed with my dogs. Right, and you you didn't want to get another dog because you were Mm-mm. so broken up when your dog yeah, died when you were a kid, just, right? Yeah, I was like, it's I awful. don't live very long, yeah. and I get, you know, me and my abandonment issues, uh, you know, go full force when you're, like, thinking about loving something like that, and then them only having a certain lifespan, so I was kind of like shielding myself against it. And then Jax moved here, like I said, for me. And I wanted her to have like a companion when I was on the road. And um, that's what led to getting our first dog. And then uh, she really wanted a palm, a Pomeranian. And I was like, I don't want another dog. You have a dog. And uh, <laughs> she found Biggie's name on, you know, a pet finder or whatever. She's like, this. Look at this dog. Uh, we get, we got like, come on, we got it. And 
and you see his face and you're like, oh, well, that's a pretty cute dog. <laughs> and then sure, you know, the uh, hour later we had a new dog. <laughs> it was that fast. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was really, f- I had just flown home from a show and she was like, we're going to the Humane Society. Come on. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, we got him. And I mean, I f- fell in love with him pretty quick. He's, I mean, our dogs are very different. Maddie's a dog dog and Biggie's like a little person. And, um, so you can, we appreciate him for different reasons. Uh, but she was saying that she hopes Biggie's better. He had gotten really sick. Yeah. A, uh, like a month ago. Like, God, I can't even Hemorrhagic gastroenteritis. Yeah. And, uh, it's this thing that little dogs can get and they, they go from being totally fine to like almost dying or dying. And he got it. It comes out of nowhere. They call it HGE for Is sure. Is it a virus? It's not a virus. They don't know, like, if it's something they ate mm-hmm. or if they're stre- they had stress. Or it's mm. a, like they say it's something that could be inside them, like a bacteria. Right. Or, like opportunist. And it, then something triggers it. Uh, it's but but then they don't really know much of, you're like okay so there's no way to prevent it mm-hmm. and then uh we flew to new york and it got really bad on the plane and uh he pretty much almost died and they got him hooked we got him to a pet hospital as soon as we landed and they got him hooked up on every th- the fluids and everything like i think i don't think he would have lasted 30 more minutes like yeah. it, we got there right at the at the the minute we should and um right you had to go to the front and be like help my dog yeah, is dying right because you were to, like waiting room. really uh because they were kind of just like they're very chill because i know they deal with emergencies mm-hmm. all the time they're like yeah someone's coming and we my partner sat there for like 45 minutes and no one came and i went to check us into the hotel not realizing how serious it was mm-hmm. came back and i'm like oh my god my dog's dying <laughs> and i had to like get somebody and then they finally got him hooked up and plasma all the stuff and he made it i Yay. mean it cost a shit ton of money but he made it <laughs> yeah that's i expensive. recommend pet insurance i didn't have it have you gotten it now i'm gonna i'm going to i don't know why we had it first thing but we we will get well that. i think with pets i'm no expert i should probably keep my mouth shut <laughs> unless any pet insurance company wants to come on as a sponsor but i think go. that a pre-existing condition with a pet can make it so like they don't have obamacare so right they can be denied yeah maybe although I, but for maddie you could. I, I, maybe you still could for Biggie. well because it's he made it i don't know if it's yeah i don't know we'll yeah. so have to look into it now when you say maddie is like a dog mm-hmm. and biggie is like a person i feel in my soul like i know what you mean because yeah. i have a dog dog now and before this we had a person dog yeah but how do you mean it so maddie is rough and tumble she wants to be outside she wants to eat bugs and <laughs> roll around in the grass she doesn't like to travel People yell at us when we have Biggie and not her. We're like, she doesn't like it. She hates being in the car. She cries every time we're in the car. She just wants to be with other dogs and play. So sometimes we'll take Biggie on the road and she'll, we have, we pay someone to watch her. Mm -hmm. These dogs and she gets to play all day. I'm like, she's fine. Biggie just wants to be on our lap. He wants, he doesn't, Jack dresses him up in sweaters, <laughs> puts him in her purse. He's just like, yep, yep, yep. Let's do it, ladies. Where are we going to lunch? He didn't want to be outside. He goes outside for two seconds, runs back in like, hey, right. ladies, where are we going? And they're just uh, so different. He loves to travel, loves to sit on our lap, loves, we, we'll take him in a restaurant. He'll be in a bag. You won't hear a peep from him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, mm-hmm. 
this is right. This is what we're supposed to be doing. She would be crying the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be outside. I don't want don't put me in that purse. Right. What are you doing? And what kind of dog is she? She's a like a terrier chihuahua mix. And mm-hmm. he's a palm. He's just like, I'm beautiful. Let's <laughs> live that Hollywood life. <laughs> Fortune, it was so nice finally having you on the show. Well, thanks, thanks again for making the time to do this. Thank you. This was great. I appreciate you having me. Uh, tell everyone where to find you and what they should look out for and download and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, I'm on tour starting March 14th kicks off in Grand Rapids. Uh, so go, you can go to fortunefemster.com slash tour. I'm going to so many cities, New Haven, Connecticut, Dallas, Austin, New Orleans, San Francisco, Denver, all those good places. So if you like comedy, come see a show and then check out my special uh, sweet and salty on Netflix. I'm on Instagram at fortunefemster. All that good stuff. Thank you. If you'd like what you're hearing, subscribe, download, tell a friend, leave a review. Thank you guys so much for the reviews of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show so much. So uh, leave another one, won't you? And uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Rosen. Listen to my other, listen to my other podcast, Childish. And uh, my getting my t-shirt situation sort it's a little unsorted right now and it is getting sorted out. So pretty soon I'll be like, go here to buy t-shirts. Look out for that. AllisonRosen.com for everything else. I already mentioned Patreon. Tony, where do we find you? At Tony Thaxton, Twitter and Instagram. And my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Thanks, listeners. Allison. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Rosen is your new best friend.